Kurta, Women, Success, China, is powered by the Seneca Network. We are a bi-weekly podcast focused on capturing the lives of women in and from greater China at the top of their professional game. I'm your host, Juliana Batista. Many thanks to the entire team at SUP China, including co-producer Kaiser Kuo and Jason McRonald for editing. This week, we're joined by Bianca Chen, executive producer and director of Hello Future and founder of OX3 TV Production. Her company's mission is to enlighten global audiences on how technology will impact the world and humanity through documentaries. Bianca was a journalist and presenter for Reuters TV in the Asian market, but is most recently known for her docuseries, Hello Future. We talk about the making of Hello Future, what she learned along the way, and how she crafted the project that resonated widely with audiences worldwide. I think it's better if we just hear it from her, so let's listen in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ta for Ta, Women's Success China. Today, I'm joined by Bianca Chen. She is the executive producer and director of Hello Future and founder of OX3 TV Production. We are so excited to have you on today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I think what would be best is I love to give listeners a little bit of a high-level overview of who we're speaking with today. So if you could almost give highlights real of some of the most important parts of your career and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, so I'm Bianca Chen um, and I grew up in China. I came to the U.S. when I was 17 years old. So as uh, many Chinese immigrants, I went to a business school. Um, but when I was in school, I realized that was not the career path I was looking for. So after graduated from NYU Stern Business School, I took a gap year. So I tried all different type of jobs I could find at that moment. Um, and finally, I met some people in Vienna while I was doing a UN project as a volunteer. So they introduced me to Phoenix TV, a New York bureau. Um, after that, I started my career as an, a financial reporter. In 2010, I joined Reuters TV, a New York office. And uh, during my time at Reuters, I produced and hosted programs and reports for the international clients. It's, it was a very uh, pleasant experience, but you know, like Reuters is uh, a news agency. So um, usually we have to do things according to what the clients want us to do. So at a certain moment, I, I want more uh, creative freedom. At that time, I realized there are a lot of new platforms uh, rising, especially in China, um, such as like uh, WeChat channel, like Youku was the biggest kind of uh, video platform at that moment. And also, I also realized like China needs a lot of content. Um, so every time when I travel back to China, like people are asking me about uh, what's going on outside of the country and they were eager to know more about the world. So um, I decided to found my own studio and started to work on my own projects around 2014 and 2015. At that time, it was more like a, a side job. Uh, so I still needed to do my 
daytime work and um, I commit my time more like in the evening and on the weekends to do these kind of uh, small personal projects. My first project um, was called a Startup Made in USA. Uh, for that program, I interviewed interesting founders of tech startups like uh, uh, Airbnb and Coursera. And um, I launched this program through a crowdfunding project. And um, initially, I got a lot of supporters. Um, I remember I reached my goal like in one day. So I guess at that time, there's a lot of demand for international content. And also, I think because at that time, uh, people in China started to think about starting their own company. And they are watching like a big tech company um, kind of coming out of blue, like Facebook, Google. Um, so they want to know more about how American people uh, founded successful tech company and they hope to learn from these stories. Um, so Startup Made in the USA was uh, pretty successful, I have to say. Like um, We did six seasons and generated 150 million views online. Um, in 2017, uh, we started to think about to do a startup made in the USA series, special series about blockchain. Um, I started to follow blockchain from 2010 when um, Bitcoin was still a baby. Um, so in 2017, I, I, I felt like there was a need to kind of tell more stories about this upcoming technology. And luckily or accidentally, the price of Bitcoin and other you know, cryptocurrency jumped a lot. So blockchain as a topic got a lot of attention. And uh, um, so and I put more energy into this subject and I discover more story behind the scene. And I figure I don't just want to do uh, like a typical startup made in the USA form, format, like one company, one episode. I just feel like I... I couldn't tell the full picture. I couldn't show the full picture through that format. So uh, we changed the format more into a documentary style, like to tell um, the background story of the whole industry. And uh, during that time, we spent like 18 months traveling like almost 20 countries and interviewed over 100 people. Then we had this project and it got selected by MeetDoc. Um, and also, we launched uh, both on TV and on internet. Um, we have two versions, one in Chinese and another in English. The Chinese version um, was launched on Tencent, Yuku, Bilibili, and uh, Aichi. And the English version is available on CGTN and also uh, Amazon Prime. And because of this project, I... Some investors came to me and uh, showed that they are interested in investing in my company, my little studio. So uh, finally, we um, we closed uh, the round of uh, investment. Then I decided to do this full time. It's like there's no way I can do this on my on the on the side anymore. So um, it became it became my full time job <laughs> to run this company to uh, produce and uh, direct more documentaries. Um, so this year, uh, we just launched a new docu-series and co-produced with Tencent, which is called Hello Future. Um, 
So Hello Future is a docu series about future education. So we traveled, um, we traveled five countries to discover the newest. Um, school and uh, education innovations, and talk to policymakers, teachers, and parents, and hope hopefully to allow our viewers to get a sense of uh, how to educate their next generation in order for them to live better in the future. Um, luckily, this is pretty popular, and we have generated over forty million views. Over three months, yeah. So I'm very happy, man, to share this yeah. with everybody and you. It seems like there's a lot that we can dig into, and you give a really clear explanation of your path. But I almost want to reel you all the way back because even in some of our initial conversations,、mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you were simultaneously working on what people would call a side hustle. Yes, along with what would be a more traditional career. And、uh, you know, as someone who does that myself with、uh, even podcasts, I'd love to hear more about what was really rewarding about it and what was most challenging about those times. So at that moment, around two thousand fourteen and two thousand fifteen, like、um, I wasn't starting. I didn't start a tech company. So I thought it it would be really hard. To get、um, kind of angel investor or VC investor to put money into like a a content driven company, so I thought like I have myself, so I think the easiest way is to start my company just by myself and a couple of friends.、Um, is it was challenging, I have to say, because I I need I needed to maintain my daytime job to. To support myself, and also I still want to pursue what I want to do, like in the in my、um, spare time. So it it was pretty challenging. So、um, you you can imagine, like I have to、uh, wake up around six a.m. like in in the morning, and、uh, you sometimes I have to finish my own project around eleven p.m. or twelve twelve, you know. And on the weekends, we have to. Spend times on post production,、um, planning, and talking with potential distributors. And also, I use all my vacation to do、um, interviews in other cities or to do projects. So that was a tough year. I have to tough couple of years for me.、Uh, and gradually, like、uh, I started to get a small investor, more like、uh, friends and family. I have、uh, one high school classmate invested some money in me, so I can kind of expand my team a little bit. And I think around two thousand fifteen, like later in two thousand fifteen. So I think it's a、um, it's a pretty tough journey, I have to say, but it's very rewarding too, because I learned so much about how to manage my time and、uh, how to prioritize what I really wanted to do. Um, I realized I just had so little time, so I need to put all of them into the direction I'm really believing. So、uh, I learned so much from that time, and also I learned how to be creative. For example, we started the launching process through crowdfunding. So it's a non-traditional way of raising a fund for、uh, a production. So. 
So I realized if I want to do a project about startup, about technology, about innovation, I need to be innovation, innovative myself. All the lessons I, I learned from my um, little journey. Yeah, I mean, you're leading me into the other really important question uh, that I would love to explore a bit. You say, you know, VC isn't typically in content-driven mm-hmm. companies. That's right, media mm-hmm. uh production companies you just see less less um vc funding there so was some conversations that you had with people where this idea was sparked did you see other companies starting to gain traction in the space or was it out of necessity that you needed investment money and you know that seemed like the only path forward and therefore you decided to pursue it and i'd also love to know how different was your pitch when you first were getting some of those friends and family to keep mm-hmm. you afloat, keep mm-hmm. the momentum of the, the business mm-hmm. versus some later, mm-hmm. but still early funding funding mm-hmm. stages, um, you were able to gain significant traction? Sure, I'd love to share uh, some of the stories um, I went through. Um, so at the, at the very beginning, I, I just didn't think that will work like to get an investor to invest in me. So I thought about traditional way of distributing my stuff like I produce and uh, probably got um, kind of a licensing deal with some TV station or this and that. Um, but then um, so gradually I started to so so after I chat with certain kind of potential investor, but more as a interviewee for my program. So we chatted about the the possibility for me or for any kind of content startup to receive funding. Um, what I learned is like around 2014 and 2015, most of the money went to the platforms. Um, such as like uh, I think Yuku did an IPO yeah. that moment, and also um, other like uh, podcast platform, other video platforms. So so most money went to these kind of platforms. But around like 2017, 18, like I started to realize more and more people are uh, more and more people were putting money into content-driven company because when the platforms are saturating, the content became the most important asset in the space. So people started to chase these companies because who who had the best content might be able to smile at the end. So not only we see up pouring money into these companies, but also I, I realized like, some um, platform are trying to kind of um, acquire certain contents. And uh, then I heard about the kind of new model like MCM, maybe not so new, but it became a main, kind of mainstream business model for that moment, like MCM, which is still popular now, it, uh, which means like a company cannot control like a multi-channel and the multi-content creators. So, so it 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 has become a kind of a popular uh, investment target, uh, but my feeling is content is becoming more and more important, especially like content like uh, low budget, but high kind of uh, impact impact yeah high impact content are becoming more and more important. So these kind of studios are receiving more attentions, not only. 
receiving the investment, but also receiving kind of uh, acquisition deals from platforms and this and that. So, so that's the trend I'm uh, my experience told me. Yeah, just one more thing on this. Did you feel any pressure once bringing in investors? Um, I can just imagine because Ben is so creative and so personal subjective and do you ever concerns over your creative process or about what sort of outputs you were expected to to create once you started bringing in investors i did feel the pressure of get more investors involved at certain points like there was a certain time like i we couldn't find uh, sponsors or it took longer for us to finish the project so we need we needed certain money to to support us to go longer and to finish our project so that was moment like i feel the uh, the pressure and and also i had some bad experience with certain investors like i didn't talk with so many but there are there are, there are some like uh, bad experience to answer your question like how i went through these kind of um, critical moments it's like um i realized to be myself is the most important thing. So there was like, I remember in 2017, we were looking for uh, investors. Um, and at that moment, like people are rushing into putting money into short format video in China. And uh, what I do is more mm-hmm. longer form. So at that uh, around that year, I thought about, oh, maybe I should start to produce more sure format kind of video. But gradually I figured that wasn't the path I want to go because that means like I have to produce probably like something funny, like... Uh, very different. Very different. Yeah, yeah. There's a different... Very different. Audiences. So I have no edge in terms of producing sure format video. Um, so it wasn't successful in terms of attracting investors if I want I wanted to go to that direction. Um, and that was also the time I started my blockchain project. So at that time I was like, okay, we didn't have enough money, but we did have some sponsors. So let's just start this journey like to do what I can do the best. And let's see if that's gonna work. So luckily I think, because um, I'm putting everything I have into something I really, I was really passionate about. And also I was good at it. So I was able to not only finish the project and attract the distributor deals. And also eventually I got investor came to me, invested in me. So so I do believe like uh, trying to find like what's your strength is to do what you really are passionate about and to try your best to do something you think you can deliver and also to do better than other people are much more important than just follow the trend, just to do whatever, like looks like money is following, you know? Yeah. Right. It's because, you know, everybody has been saying smaller, bite size. That's how people want content. But yeah. it's, it's like you've been very successful with the longer yeah. form space. I yeah. think I don't think do- documentaries are going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So that was that's a really important lesson, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's a great illustration of, yeah. of how that 
happens. So actually, speaking of, I think it would be great for us to dive into your most recent project and, you know, sure. it looks up for the future um, online. You see that it examines how innovation in technology mm -hmm. is penetrating through our education systems worldwide and explores the path to educating the next generation mm -hmm. for the digital age through the eyes of five families yeah. uh, as they exciting and journey, discover new exciting opportunities for their children's educational path. So you would focus on blockchain, you'd focus on tech companies in the US. What led you to say, I want to focus on education in the digital age? And can you just tell us more about how that content idea came to fruition? Sure. Um, I am a mother. So I have, so my song um, is my inspiration. And uh, I have to say giving birth and be pregnant was the easiest part of the whole game. And raising a kid is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I still remember like when I, when I started to kind of nurse my son and started to feed him food, like every little thing was tough. And so, and I wanted to be a good mother. So I started to think a lot about how to raise my son and how yeah. to help my son to be a happy person, to be a successful person, to be a person knows what he wants in the future. And, you know, like mm. uh, to follow startup, to follow, to cover tech story is actually a scary thing because people around you are, are constantly telling you, you are replaced. So I, I, ha I have heard all different types of story. Like this job has been replaced. Oh, reporter will be replaced. Oh, this will be replaced. That will be replaced. So, so it's, it, it, was a, it was a scary moment for me like, to think. So uh, how to help my son to grow into a person who can deal with all these kind of um, scary things. And on the other hand, like when I chatted with my friends, with my family, uh, who had who had kids already, like before me, like what they told me is the education system haven't changed that much. So um, I think there must be people and the companies and the schools are thriving to change education to to help our young generation to fit into future. So, and I think it's not a kind of a job for one company, one school, one country to do. It's a um, it's a global issue, so right. that's why I want to go to different countries to find out uh, what like all different type of peoples are doing, what kind of uh, methods uh, people are trying in different places, and and the reason we uh, brought five family with us is that um, education is very abstract. It's not tangible. Like how to tell this is different how to tell what this innovative teaching way is working it's very hard it's very hard just through interview just through filming the school so we decided to bring a family several families with us to experience and to offer their point of view and their observation so that became the format uh, we are watching now today yeah, um, I'd love to just give some highlights from mm -hmm. from 
series itself. And from your perspective, what did you think were some of the starkest differences in the education systems of the different locations and families mm-hmm. that you visited? So I know you went to China, US, UK, Israel, mm-hmm. Kenya, correct? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you think we and can we'll, learn culturally yeah. from a education perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to go to so many different places. So we ended up with like five countries for um, for several reasons. So China um, and the U.S. Um, are the two countries I know the best. So I think obviously these are the two places I wanted to kind of explore more. And the reason we pick Israel because Israel is so-called innovation country. And it's a very small country, but we see tons of um, big tech company rising from this country, the noble uh, winners coming from this country. So much are going on in this country. So I wanted to discover like what's the uh, the engine behind this innovative country. And the reason we went to Kenya because I care about the the. The, the the equality of education a lot, especially people are saying technology are widening the gap between the poor kids and the rich kids. So I so I want I wanted to know like is if that is true and um and how to close that gap and with the technology can we can we help the kids in the developing country to grow better like so that's why we pick Kenya. Uh, and especially like um, Kenya is very advanced in terms of uh, policy making to help mm. to be um, digital literally. literally. And um, the reason we pick UK is um, UK is a, a country with uh, a long history. And uh, but also meanwhile, they are they started to discuss about how to raise a digital citizen. Uh, from a long time ago and we heard about some innovative program initiated by uh, wills so that's why we wanted to go to the school there and to, to see like how their new curriculum working for the kids there so uh, so that's the that's the process we picked these five countries so they are very different in terms of the system and also in terms of the culture like as people know, like China is famous for Tiger Mom, which are teaching their kids uh, through a very different um, yes. philosophy. You know, actually, we had Amy Chua, yeah. and if you're interested in hearing more about the Tiger Mom perspective, yeah. there another episode of Ta for Ta, which would be an interesting foil, I think, to watch. Yeah, and if you- yeah, 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 definitely, very interesting. Yes, very, very. <laughs> so, so. That's why, like we, that's why when the episode about China, we talk a lot about parenting, like how to, how to be a, a great parents in the modern life. Like, is Tiger Mom still working, um, or how to be a better Tiger Mom? You know, so there are differences in terms of like uh, a system, but also cultural. But sometimes I don't think it's more about the cross-cultural, you know, like because I think uh, education is a global, it's a it's an issue. Like uh, everyone is trying to find the answer. Yeah, I you know I really want to get behind the curtain a bit mm-hmm. with you 
think. Go ahead. Um, people are going to watch Hello Future and be so intrigued by it. But I kind of want to get in the nitty gritty details of, you know, how did you find these families? Like, how did you just, how did you go from, okay, these are the types of things I, this is what education's like in Israel. And now these uh-huh. are the types of things yeah. I'm going to need to order to get that final product. Like, I want to get into your creative process and yeah. also even process just some of the logistics of how did you even film these sure um so i started this project by uh kind of attending a lot of education conferences um trying to find like opinion leaders in the space trying to talk with leaders this and that then i realized it's not enough then i started to talk with a lot of parents around me both in the u.s and in china and to get idea about what kind of subjects parents are concerning about, uh, what kind of uh, challenges are they facing, um, and to discover what's, what are the problems there. And uh, then um, I talked with like platforms, distributors, and other filmmakers. So to get a creative idea about how to make the formats, how to make this journey better and interesting. So in terms of finding the parents and finding the families are one of the toughest uh, part of the whole procedure. And Okay, my hypothesis yeah, yeah. was correct. Yeah, for example, like uh, we, we brought a, a family back from UK, a Chinese family uh, back from UK, back to China. Um, and I have to tell you, like I, I heard about this family from TV. Um, mm. so I was kind of doing research online. So I watched a lot of like educational program or documentaries or programs about education, school and kids. So there is a UK program, I think it's called a, a Genius Kids or something like that. So this family mm. are this family are the guests of last year's uh, program. So and because they are Chinese family, you know, like the mother uh, looks like a typical tiger mom, and the kids. Uh, is a very um, kind of smart kid, and uh, also he is um, pretty much influenced by his mom. So it's an interesting kind of typical tiger mom family. Um, so I'm uh, so, and this family got criticized, especially the mom got criticized by the audiences in the UK. So I have the question: like, what are they really doing? And uh, what is she doing is good or bad for his, for her son so so and also how to be a good mom or good parent um in this modern life so that is a lot of questions raised during the time i watched the show so so i started to contact them and uh um luckily they are they are very supportive and they love the idea and they, they they wanted to come back to China and to see how the modern um, Chinese education system is. Um, mm. Yeah, that's how I discover this family. And for another family, like for another mom called Hao Jingfang, she is, um, she is a writer. 
she she wrote a lot of novels and short stories about the future. So I think it's a perfect fit for me to bring her to Israel to talk about innovation, to talk about the future, to talk about how to raise our kids for um for a world we don't we don't know yet. Um, so that's how. Then, then I did. I didn't know her at that moment. So I asked all my friends and trying to get connection with her. And luckily, I found her. And um, after the initial meeting, like I remember, we had dinner together somewhere in Beijing. Like, and she, we, we hit it off like right away. So we started talk about uh, our um, mother life. You know, like she she has two kids, and I had one.、Mm. So, so then, um, she then she got so interested in um what I was doing. So then she became our guest. So these are the two stories, and、uh, the others are interesting as well. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I hope I can I can share all the stories with you. <laughs> no, that definitely that gives a bit more insight, and you know. It's a lot of things is talking to people and continuing to follow down different paths、yes. and seeing where it leads. But it's so interesting to me because a lot of times documentaries you find the subject、mm-hmm. and then you create this you you know develop the narrative and you develop the documentary、yeah. around the subject. Yes. But this interesting situation、mm-hmm. where you had the narrative and the storyline, you needed to find the right protagonist、mm-hmm. to fit. To the story that you wanted to show, so and some you know, really charismatic, relatable, empathetic families、mm-hmm. were what you find, and that's not easy to find. So it's very interesting to hear these、uh, examples of of how you wove your way and connected with people to to get them、um, to to interview with you and, and be a part of. This project, so that's very interesting for me. Yeah, I I just would also love you when you said out of the five countries that you、um, centered this series on, you know, you said U.S. and China. I know very well, which makes sense.、Mm-hmm. You spent a lot of time in the city. You spent a lot of time in, and your perceptions of the educational system,、uh, your U.S. China identity or China U.S. identity, did that in The lens through which you told the stories, because、um, as much as you want to be a part of this project or didn't want to be a part of this project, I would assume that the lens through which you view the world had to have some influence on on the ultimate project. Yeah, definitely. Like I think、um, everything happened in my life is influencing who I am today. So definitely, the U.S. China and Identity is、uh, influencing me in this project as well. So, so I I think because、um, I grew up like in both countries, like I I got my education、um, in both China and the U.S. So I kind of understand there is always a difference in um、uh, in a different country. So um I I th- I think I'm I am easier to embrace the difference and also kind of. To show my understanding about、um, everything happened in front of me, and、uh, also I think I have like an international mind to kind of to dig into what is more、um, appealing. 
for the audience in China because I grew up in China and I kind of understand what's going on in China. And also it gives me um, the skill set to communicate with people coming from different countries because I went through that kind of uh, uh, life. Like you, we, I have to um, kind of get myself in a, a new surroundings, a different cultural backgrounds, to communicate with different type of people, so I think in that in that sense, it's uh, helping me like uh, to to work on a, a international project, and also I think because the U.S. and China um, kind of identity let me understand the, the differences between the the Western education system and the, the Chinese um, education system, so. Uh, when I develop the uh, the narrative, like it gives me kind of a new perspective to look into this. So I can imagine if I only have experience in China, probably I may not be able to dig out that much kind of um, content um, from these five countries. And also, um, if I only grew up in the U.S., like I probably won't understand what the audiences in China wants, you know, like because um, it was launched on Tencent. So most of the audience are still coming from China. So I think uh, from that sense, like my experience um, helped me to kind of get this project down, like what it is today. Also, you know, I got to ask in terms of the content itself. Mm-hmm. So you wrapped filming pre-COVID, which very yeah. lucky <laughs> that happened. Um, but it must, I would love your perspective, mm-hmm. given that um, all the trends we've seen in digital education and technology are being expedited by what's happened with COVID. Yes. You know, at, at least in the U.S., a lot of kids are uh, being educated from home. Uh, I'm not sure about the other countries mm-hmm. uh, like Israel or Kenya and what's happening there. Mm-hmm. But what sort of advice do you have to parents mm-hmm. as the way that um, education is becoming more digitally mm-hmm. focused? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Advice, what advice do you have based on your experiences? Cause you've seen and, and, mm-hmm. and absorbed so much in the past years. First, I have to tell you, our project got affected by COVID nineteen as well. It was originally mm. episodes. Um, uh, we also planned it to go to New Zealand, um, but because of interesting, we we had to cancel the trip, and so we only have five episodes um, for for this series. So, um, and also the um, since we were kind of uh, running, kind of racing with this like new pandemic. Uh, we have to rush a lot of filming. For example, we planned to go to San Francisco to do more interview, to do more follow-up interviews for um, for the, the, the US, uh, US episode, but we had to cancel and uh, did uh, several Zoom interviews instead. So, mm. so yeah, so... We did feel like how COVID COVID nineteen uh, are changing the world, and to answer your um question, like what kind of advice we can give to the parents, um, I think uh, compare the generation today and the 
the generation like us, there are several differences. Like first difference is the kids today got more tools than ever. So like look at my son, he can discover the world at a very young age through internet, through all different type of videos, through all different type of、uh, kind of learning apps, and also he can meet people like overseas. For example, my son now he's he's staying with me in Beijing, but he is talking or chatting with his friends in the New York constantly, and chatting with. Um, relatives, relatives in Japan, in Hawaii, constantly. So, so they are. They have a bigger, much bigger kind of social network、um, than the generation like I'm. I grew up with. So, but with these tools, they have. They can discover the world、um, through their own way. You know, like. If they have certain questions, they can find an answer themselves. So I think it's a a great time to encourage their curiosity, you know, to encourage them to kind of、uh, find answers through their own research, through their、yeah. own investigation. Because when we were younger, like we have no way to find out that much, like the only the only sources we had is our were parents, teachers, or other kids,、um, or books. But now they have much much bigger kind of resources to help them. So I think it's a good time for all the parents to. Kind of to encourage your kids to add to ask questions and to find out answers for themselves, because they have these、uh, method. And also another advice is not to limit your、uh, kids.、Um, like for example, before I I started this project, I I didn't allow my kids to use iPad to use smartphone.、Um, but、oh. after, yeah, yeah. But after my journey in UK, like、uh, I realized. It's not about protecting my kids. It's it's about to help them to investigate the world, discover the world, to find out the truth through their own eyes. They have to they have to go out. They have to use this tool to find out how to use these tools in a proper way. And I think I I I would like to stay in a kind of in a position like the catcher in the rye, you know, and watch out to make sure he's not falling off the edge, but instead of to design his path to tell him what is right or wrong,、um, instead of allow them to discover through their own journey, I think that's、um, probably my advice. Right, and you know this. Almost answers, I think, the other question I was going to ask about. You know, how did your relationship、mm-hmm. change? Thinking of Hello Future with your son,、mm-hmm. um, beyond the more practical of you know letting them explore and、mm-hmm. letting them use technology like their iPads and and being more curious.、Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you'd like to to mention? Yeah, yeah, sure. And so、um, I was a very protective mom. Like as I mentioned, I I really wanted to be a good mom. So 
um <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah um i don't deny that <laughs> so so i i try i kind of like trying to control everything he's using his uh browsing his uh watching like uh, i'm i'm very detail oriented so but after this journey i realized it's his life it's not my life you know like i have to allow him to discover the digital mm. world himself the modern world himself and also another thing is like i realize um in front of a lot of technology i'm not more experienced like i and him are kind of the same generation for example tiktok didn't Exi- didn't exist b- before his birthday you know before he was born so so in a sense like i was not more experienced than him so i feel like i have to put myself in a more equal position like to so 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 i'm not like um kind of um um a, a person to kind of lead him to go through a journey i'm more like to grow with him because we are discovering the world some part of the world together like it's new to me as well um and so i think after this journey i feel like i'm more relaxed like i i, I understand like my position or i kind of um um know what i should do um kind of more accurate and uh, um kind of lose kind of to keep it a little bit loose on him so now he can he can use ipad he has his own ipad now and uh he uh he can pick his own apps and of course like i will kind of check these apps with him and um he has certain he has certain free time to do whatever he wants on his pad and uh, on daily basis but meanwhile i also kind of i i trying to participate more in the um daily activities with him because before this pro uh, before this project i thought he can just read books by himself maybe i can buy lego like he can explore these kind of toys himself but after this um after producing this docu-series i realized i need to spend more time on uh, doing these things with my son together um, because he can learn more and he needs people especially like outdoor activities it's hard to realize the fun from the nature but it needs um, someone to kind of guide guide him to discover the beauty of the nature because you know the, the ipad is technology gadget it's easy to get a stimulation from these um, a screen monitor, but the nature you really take it really takes time for them to discover the beauty. So I think um, I need to spend more time um, to um, to spend time with my son and to discover the beauty of the other part of the the uh, the world, like outside of the tech world. Yeah, and you know, based on your personal experiences mm-hmm. and and. The content you created you know what are you most hopeful for for the next generation mm-hmm. on the flip side of that what are you most concerned about um i think um the new generation they have more freedom to do they are to do to pursue what they are passionate about and there are more tools for them kind of to discover the world to um, develop their own interests um, for example, in in our when I grew up, like if I want to 
learn something, I have to go to a certain school. But now they can um, just use these internet internet tools, these new tools to learn things on their own. So I think they can, um, I think they have more freedom to pursue what they want in the future. In the future. And the, in turn of concern, first, uh, probably I think uh, today's kids need to maintain uh, physically active. You know, this is important. It's a, a big part of uh, how to balance their life. Um, mm. so, right? This is one part of the things like I think um, all the parents should be concerned about. And um, also it's um, the uh, the cybersecurity is another big issue like I'm concerning about, you know, like including the uh, kind of uh, online bullying, these kind of things, I think, because the kids are growing into a different set of social um, background. So they have to understand how to deal with people around them and also how to deal with people uh, in the cyber world, in the digital world. I think that's important as well. Yeah, that's the um, the two main concerns I have now. Yeah, and so I guess just kind of to, to wrap this all together, mm-hmm. you know, were you expecting this to take off as much as it did? Millions and millions no. of views. It's resonated so strongly with so many viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that was a pleasant surprise, but, yeah. you know, how have you been dealing probably with a lot of feedback, lots yes. of people reaching out? Mm-hmm. I'd hear more about that. Uh, yeah, it's a good surprise, as you mentioned. And um, I didn't, I didn't, I, I knew education is a big project, but I didn't. I didn't know it became that kind of um, popular among um, viewers. So um, several surprises, like besides parents, we also have a lot of like young adults watching our shows. Like I receive um, feedbacks from kind of college students, from people just graduated from school. And I think that's an interesting kind of feedback I heard I think people are young people are watching this program because I think they care about how they can fit into future I think they um felt the um the threat from the technology from the rising of AI and the robots so they want to kind of learn more about uh how to fit into future job market how to uh, become a person who can grow with the world. Um, another interesting things I noticed is like, usually for education program, there are more um, mothers are uh, watching. But for us, we have we actually attract more fathers to watch this show. So I think that which is good. Ah. Yeah, especially in China, uh, usually. I love that. Um, I said, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because usually, especially in China, like uh, most of the kids are uh, taken care of by mother solely. So so I'm happy to get more fathers in the conversation, to get more fathers to look into this issue. So that's a very nice surprise for me. And uh, I think because the reason we are attracting more fathers are this is uh, tech-related and also job market-related. So we are not only talking about education, yeah. but also a lot of 
background stories, a lot of trends in the future. So, so I'm happy to get both mothers and the fathers involved. That's awesome. And yeah, I definitely agree. It probably has something to do with how topical it is. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very, it's very well done. If you know, listeners do want to, to continue and actually um, watch the series itself, where's the best place to find it? Oh, um, Tencent Video. And uh, um, yeah, on Tencent Video, you should be able to find out what show. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, the last thing I want to ask you, Bianca, and I ask this to most guests that come on the show mm -hmm. is, and I'd love to hear this from, you know, a producer, director, filmmaker perspective. What's one piece of advice that you've received in the past that you actually mm -hmm. have found yourself giving others recently? Oh, be yourself. <laughs> As I mentioned yeah. earlier, I think, um, like, I, I struggled several times, I have to admit, like, through the whole process um, from, like, growing growing up from a reporters to who I am today. So um, I struggled with uh, funding, with uh, how to find the, the best team members, how to find distributors, like, but... Um, Every time, like what helped me is being myself, and I got this advice. Uh, I got this piece of advice from actually one of the team members. So we were discussing about like uh, what 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 style we should go with, and at the end, he was uh, he gave me the advice. It's like you have to follow your heart. If you are you are, if you are not passionate about what you are doing, and this is gonna fail for sure. So I followed that advice and uh, um, trying to be true with myself and uh, be myself all the time. Um, and so far, it's rewarding. And I think this will be rewarding for everyone else as well. Well, that is uh, great advice because it, it has the storyline to you. I think a lot of people say be yourself, but the way you contextualize that and explain why it's so important to you, I think makes it um, really strong advice. So, I mean, Bianca, you're so eloquent. Uh, I think that uh, listeners should really go listen and watch Hello Future. Um, and I've just really appreciated this time to, to spend with you and kind of talk a bit more about your process and, and your viewpoint and, and how you do what you do. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I'm so happy to review so much happened in the past two years. And this is a good time to do a little review of myself. Want more Ta for Ta? Hit subscribe to get updates on our episodes. You can also hit us up on Twitter at ta for ta We love messages over email as well at ta.for.ta.china at gmail.com. If you're also interested in some related topics, I would definitely recommend the episode with Amy Chua, uh, Tiger Mom, as well as the episode with Lenora Chu on her book, Little Soldiers. Ta for Ta, Women's Success China is a proud member of the Cynic Network. Many thanks again to Kaiser Kuo for co-producing and Jason McRonald for editing. And until next time, I'm Juliana Batista and this is Ta for Ta.